Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And just before we start... If you are one of those people who always listen right to the end of these podcasts, then you'll know that I always ask you for a little bit of a favour at the end. So to mix up the format a little bit, I'm actually going to ask you for a favour right at the start. Because we've seen Vegan Business Tribe just go from strength to strength over these last 12 months. We've got such an amazing community of members and have been able to help so many vegan businesses. And the whole reason that we've had such a good year is because of you. So many of you have been sharing our mission, or you've introduced new people to this podcast, or invited them to become a member over on the website, which is why we've been growing so quickly. So first, if you have already shared what we do, then thank you so much. But If you know somebody else with a vegan business who you think should be listening to this, or maybe you're in a local vegan Facebook group or you're on LinkedIn or something like that, then I would be forever in your debt if you would just post a link to this podcast. But the second thing that you can also do is to leave us a five-star review. And especially if you're listening on something like iTunes, because that lets you write a full review or just give us a thumbs up or a subscribe or whatever it is that your podcast platform lets you do to say that you like us. And it only takes a few seconds, but it really shows that people think that this podcast is worth listening to. And that means that the platform will start to recommend us to more people. So if you haven't done it yet, I'll sit here and I'll just wait patiently for a second while you go off and give us a review or a like. (laughs) You really thought I was just going to pause for a few minutes, didn't you, while you went and did that? But seriously, thank you so much if you have already shared our mission. And if you haven't yet got involved with Vegan Business Tribe, so if you're a bit of a lurker and you listen to this podcast every week, but you haven't yet fully engaged with us or our amazing community of vegan business owners, then you are literally missing out on about 90% of everything that goes on at Vegan Business Tribe. So if you want to know more, then just head over to the website, which is veganbusinesstribe.com. Click on the big join button on the homepage. You can't miss it. And you can choose to join as either a fan for free and that's where you get access to our weekly content or as a full member to also get access to our community all our online events our networking meetups our courses and collections and so much more so if you think that this next year is when you are going to take growing your vegan business seriously come and join us so that we can see how we can help and support you too So this week, 
I want to take a look at something that myself and Lisa, we get asked a lot about, which is our predictions for what's going to be the next big thing in the vegan sector. And maybe you're thinking of setting up a new vegan business, or you're looking at where you might take your company next. But the vegan sector, it really is the fastest moving marketplace that I have ever been involved with. And it's why I like doing a weekly podcast, because things change so quickly, and it just means that we can keep you up to date. And it's easy to think that the market is already saturated for vegan products. But if I go to my local supermarket, I might have a choice of, say, four vegan pizzas. But if I then go and look at the non-vegan pizzas, I might find up to 15 different brands and options. And you might think that vegan ice cream maybe is getting oversaturated. But go and count the amount of vegan ice creams in your local store and compare that to the non-vegan ones that they have on sale and just see how much room there still is for competition. Or compare the number of companies making vegan burgers compared to the number of companies making them from dead animals. It's still a tiny fraction. Do you think that Mars come up with an idea for a new chocolate bar, but then they scrap the idea because they think the market is oversaturated for chocolate? I can tell you they don't. In fact, we know that some of these food companies' biggest research and development budgets over the last five years have been going into figuring out how to make a vegan version of their best-selling products, even though there are hundreds of other companies doing the same thing. So saying that the vegan sector is becoming oversaturated, it's a bit like saying there are too many companies making shoes. All the projections show that the vegan food sector, it's going to keep growing as more people are interested in food that's better for the environment, the animals, and quite often their health. What this does mean, however, and this is something that you will have heard me say a lot, but if you do make a vegan food product, then that product being vegan, it's no longer a selling point. Being vegan no longer makes your product stand out. You have to innovate with your brand or you have to innovate with your mission and what your company's purpose is, or you have to innovate with your product or service. For example, when Mummy Meigs brought out the vegan cream egg here in the UK, it went down absolutely amazing and it raised their profile hugely. They simply couldn't make enough of them from their kitchens in Humberside and they had to go and get manufacturers involved. In fact, we featured Willow Boyle and her mum in the very first interview that Lisa did for her monthly feature in Vegan Food and Living magazine. Or take a look at Ananda Foods, who make a vegan version of that children's classic, The Wagon Wheel, which is a large, round chocolate sweet with marshmallow and biscuit in the middle. Now, they call it The Roundup, but you can now buy Ananda Food products in Selfridges. Again, a small, family-run vegan business who innovated. And it's not just food. We are seeing companies really innovating and creating whole new markets for their vegan businesses. So if this is you, 
and you're looking forward to the next 12 months especially, and you're wondering what the next big trends are going to be in the vegan market, then buckle up. Because yes, the sector will keep growing and yes, more people will continue to turn vegan. But I didn't want to just go with these obvious predictions. So I've got 10 of my biggest predictions for what the next big growth sectors are going to be and what we're going to see next in the vegan marketplace. Okay, so prediction number one, more innovation in vegan food products. This might be quite an obvious one to start with, but like that example of Mummy Meigs and the vegan cream egg, we're going to see a lot more vegan products that start filling in the spaces around what we've already got. So we've already mastered the vegan sausage roll, but what about the vegan pork pie or a vegan scotch egg? I recently listened to a presentation from supermarket buyers just a couple of months ago, and they said that whenever they launch a new food product, the emails start coming in straight away asking if they plan to do a vegan version. So if you're thinking about maybe making a new vegan food product, then think about all the products in the world that are not vegan yet and see what you can do about that. So could you make vegan caviar and sell it exclusively to the kinds of shops that sell fish egg caviar as a vegan alternative? Or maybe vegan boiled eggs or vegan fish fingers or even vegan Battenberg cake, even a vegan cheese and onion pasty. And you don't necessarily have to try and sell and market the product yourself. You might create a vegan version of an everyday product and then approach a company that has already got an established animal-based version and an established customer base too and ask them if they want to sell your product as their vegan version but under their own brand. Even some butchers are now selling plant-based meats alongside their usual products. Or local dairies, they're offering oat milk on their milk rounds. And they might be happy to take your products on. This is actually what happened with Applewood vegan cheese that sold out in supermarkets across the UK. Now, Applewood... They don't make their vegan cheese themselves. They're predominantly a dairy manufacturer. But Heather Mills' V-Bites company, they approached Applewood with an amazing vegan cheese recipe that they developed and they offered to make that cheese for them, but with Applewood branding it up as their own. We're also seeing vegan products reach places that we haven't seen before. And I'm probably going to mention quite a few vegan business tribe members in this episode. But our member Cassia, she's just launched V-Free International Vegan Shop, which is an online vegan shop based here in the UK. And you can go take a look at yourself at vfreeshop.com. And her best-selling products is her range of veganized Polish foods that you'll struggle to find anywhere else, especially here in the UK. So look out for those food and drink products that don't yet have a vegan version and see if you can dominate the market for, say, vegan cheese and onion pasties before somebody else does. And then that leads us to prediction number two, diversity of ingredients. 
And this is something that we're already seeing, if I'm being honest. And we're definitely going to see a lot more of it, especially more diversity in protein sources. And that's because a lot of people first bought into the idea of veganism as a way to be more environmentally conscious. And especially those non-vegan consumers who are introducing more and more plant-based foods into their diets as a way to be more sustainable. But if food products are made with ingredients that have been grown on the other side of the world, then those who are vegan from the environment and not yet the animals, they can be put off by that. Which is why we're already seeing a lot of companies looking for new alternative ingredients to make their products out of, such as pea protein. And now pea protein, it's not anywhere near as awful as it might sound. In fact, it's actually a really versatile product and you can grow peas locally. Or last month, I met a US company called Hope and Sesame and they're making sesame seed milk out of the waste product that is left over from tahini production. Even the humble potato is taking on a whole new lease of life as potato milk hits the supermarket shelves. And we need more of this sustainability thinking in food manufacturing. Because Brazil is the world's largest producer of soy, but the world's biggest demand, that comes from the EU and China. Now, unfortunately, the majority of that demand is as animal feed and for biofuel. But the humble pea and potato, that can be produced much closer to where that product is going to be sold. And as awareness of where our food comes from increases, along with the impact that it has on the communities and the environment where it's being produced, then the world is looking at lots of exciting alternatives to the soybean. So if you have one, now is the time to be talking to your local food manufacturer. Prediction number three, more vegan products for children. And there are various statistics about what percent of the population are vegan. And you'll have heard me quote these many, many times. But most agree that it's somewhere between 3 to 5% of the population identify as vegan. But a recent poll commissioned by the BBC found that in children aged 5 to 16... 8% are already following a vegan diet, but 15% said that they would like to be vegan. That's 15% of children who would be vegan if they were in charge of their own food choices. That's 15% of children putting pressure on their parents, their schools, their families, and even their friends to choose vegan products. Now, that's just not a lot of potential customers, but it's also an opportunity for a lot of education. There are so many posts in vegan Facebook groups from vegan parents who have been told that they must give their children meat and dairy. Even doctors telling parents that they have to give their children dairy milk or it will badly impact their growth. And this sort of stuff, it's scary for parents. Because we've had a lifetime of being told that we need meat and dairy in our diets to be healthy, especially as growing children. So vegan products aimed at children, but also aim to educate the parents of those children and even health professionals. They've got a big future as this trend continues to grow. 
So can you create a product that gives all the calcium or iron a child needs in their diet, but also educates the parent that it's the actual nutrients that the child needs? And the source of that nutrient, it just doesn't matter. Kale and spinach have more calcium than dairy milk, would you believe? And it's also better for you too. But we have to acknowledge, getting young children to eat kale, if they've previously been raised on dairy, that's not an easy ask. So there's going to be a big market for vegan products that are specifically designed to be attractive to kids. In fact, I'd say that market is already there, but it's just really underserved. And again, chocolate companies like Moofree or fruit companies like Bear Nibbles, they've made big strides into the children's snack market. Alpro now have a follow-on soya milk for toddlers that even has B12 included. And we've recently seen Quorn launch their vegan rawsome dinosaur nuggets. And I think as many adults as children were buying and eating those. But expect to see lots more companies catching up with the vegan children trend. But it's not just food where there's going to be plenty of opportunities. We've got some brilliant vegan children's groups popping up, like Dana Burton's Vegan Kids Organisation. And that aims to bring together vegan children. And it's also running the Vegan Kids Festival. We've got the Vegan Society setting up a new education network. And that's headed up by the amazing Laura Chepner, who has spent her career helping schools better engage and cater for vegan children. The BBC's children channel, CBBC, they now have their own vegan cooking show hosted by 12-year-old cook and vegan activist Omari McQueen. And I often say that getting to a vegan world, it's going to be a generational journey, but it's only going to take a couple of generations to get there. 10% of children now eating vegan. That will become 30% in no time at all. And when I last went to a supermarket wearing my vegan tribe hoodie, which I got from Viva La Vegan, I was high-fived by a six-year-old shopping with his mum because I was vegan. So children is definitely one market that we're going to see huge growth in. And not just in food, but also children's activities around veganism, such as festivals and camps. But the same, it's also going to apply to the other end of the age spectrum. Which brings us to prediction number four. More support and products aimed at vegans in care. Because more and more people going into care are now vegan or they want vegan options. And maybe they were vegan pioneers. And for those of you who say we'll never reach a vegan world, just take a look at how far we've come in our own lifetimes. Or maybe they were influenced by their grandchildren and they turned to veganism in later life. But there are plenty of people in their 70s and 80s or even older who are wanting to eat vegan. And a lot of care providers just don't know how to cater for them. And again, just as with the children's market, that's going to keep growing for as long as people getting older and the number of vegans in later life continues to grow. So you might want to think about how you can provide vegan services to the care sector and people coming to veganism later in life. Prediction number five, more vegan experiences. Now, 
if you join Vegan Business Drive and you go look at the members directory, you will be surprised how many members we have in the travel category. We've got Vegan Adventure Holidays, which was founded by Emma Fry. Green Earth Travel, founded by Donna Zeigfinger. We've even got JC de Klerk's Air Safaris 269. And JC has just completed his first vegan safari trip in Namibia. But what a lot of these companies find is that their customer base, it's not just vegans. A lot of people want to try out veganism combined with an experience such as travelling. Now, Lisa and I, we sometimes have a weekend away. I know we do get time off now and again, but we like to go to our local vegan bed and breakfast, which is Peazone Park Vegan B&B based in Scarborough in North Yorkshire. And it's run by our good friends, Helen and Carl. And the last time we were there, probably less than half of the people that we shared the breakfast room with were actually vegan. In fact, at the next table was a retired butcher and his wife, and they'd been told by their doctor that they needed to cut down on the amount of meat that they were eating. So they booked into a vegan B&B to find out exactly what vegans ate. And they left with Lisa's recommendations of which cookbooks they should buy and to go look up Dr. Michael Greger. And again, we're going to see more vegan tourists. And by that, I don't just mean physical tourists going on holiday but people who want to try veganism without fully going vegan just yet. People who want to book on to vegan cooking courses or to learn more about vegan diets. And I think we're going to see this extend beyond people wanting to try out vegan food to people wanting to try out some vegan ethics too. This last year at Vegan Campout, for example, Lisa and I, we spoke to a lot of people in the queue when we were waiting to get in who were not vegan, but they were somewhere on that journey. And they come to listen to some of the activists and try out some of the food, fully expecting that it was going to change their perception of veganism. So we're going to start to see experience packages where people not just go on holiday as a vegan, but also do something more ethical with that time. Maybe staying on an animal sanctuary or living vegan for the weekend and helping out with the animals whilst paying for the privilege. Prediction number six, vegan pet care hits the mainstream. Now, I use the term pet care because that's what the industry sector is known as. But many vegans, as you know, we prefer different phrases. Phrases such as companion animals, just to describe the animals that we live alongside. But many of the vegan pet foods that are currently available, they're made by small independent companies. But I know that many of the big pet care companies, they are actively working on vegan pet food ranges as we speak. And we'll soon start to see those on the shelves in the supermarkets too. Although, if you're looking for vegan pet food right now, you have to go no further than Vegan Business Tribe member Steve Hutchins, who is the founder of Do Good Vegan Dog Food. But the reason that this sector is going to grow is because the biggest market for meat after human consumption is household cats and dogs. And do you remember when people used to think that humans couldn't live healthily on vegan diets and we prove them wrong every single day by annoyingly continuing to be alive? Well, 
many people currently think the same about animals. So again, a large part of succeeding in the pet food market will be educating and reassuring humans that their fellow animals can thrive on a plant-based diet. And just like with children, a lot of people, they're looking to transition an animal over to plant-based that hasn't been raised vegan since birth. So there's lots of opportunities for like-for-like wet pet food products that mimic the current animal meat-based products. But it's not just the main meals that animals eat. There are already plenty of treats that you can buy a vegan dog, such as those made by Herbipaws or Stripes for Dogs. And that market is going to keep growing. So if you've got an idea for a vegan animal product, it doesn't have to be food. But now is the time to start taking that seriously because we're going to see the big established non-vegan companies getting on the action very, very soon. Prediction number seven, cultured meat on supermarket shelves. Now, this is a complicated sector to talk about because meat made in a laboratory, it's still meat and it still currently needs cells from animals to grow. In fact, some processors use something called bovine serum, which is cells extracted from unborn cow fetuses. But I wanted to include cultured meat in these predictions because it's going to have an impact on the sector. There is currently too much money being put into lab-grown meat for it not to soon start delivering commercial products. And as Derek Sarno, who is the head of plant-based at Tesco supermarket, said, he thinks that we're going to see plant-based meat or cultured meat on supermarket shelves in the next five years. Now, for many vegans, the idea of lab-grown meat, it's still off-putting. You can't claim it's vegan because it's grown from animal cells. But for others, it's the holy grail of food manufacturing. And it's coming. And in some ways, it could allow many people to sidestep veganism entirely. Because instead of vast factory farms, you'll see vastly reduced numbers of livestock being kept to extract cells from. And this may be to the meat industry what vaping was to the tobacco industry, something that's seen as a way to produce meat without all that environmental impact. So again, it's not something that I can see a lot of ethical vegans wanting to engage with and to buy, but it's definitely something that's there on the horizon. Prediction number eight, price parity. I mentioned Tesco supermarkets a moment ago. And if you live in the UK, you might have seen that Tesco's have absolutely slashed the prices of their own brand Plant Chef products to match or in many cases be cheaper than meat and animal products. We've seen the co-op do the same with their Grow, and that's G-R-O, vegan range. The co-op have made a seven-figure investment to reduce the price of their vegan products by as much as 50%, bringing them in line with their non-vegan products. And we're going to see more of this. There are a number of reasons why vegan processed products are usually more expensive than meat ones. And it's not usually that the vegan products are particularly expensive. It's that meat and dairy is just too cheap. Meat and dairy production receives huge subsidies from governments around the world to the point where sometimes we've had the ridiculous situation where it costs farmers less to dump the milk than to sell it. 
So the price of animal products, it's artificially held low. And the second reason why many vegan products are often more expensive is because it doesn't have the same economies of scale. So when there's low demand for a product, then the cost per unit is higher to make. Well, until now, we've seen demand for vegan products hit the mainstream. And because of this, consumers are getting far more options on price. If I want, I can spend £2 on a carton of plant milk or I can spend 55 pence. I can spend £3.50 on four vegan sausages or I can spend one forty-five on six. And there's room at both ends of that price scale. Many food companies have said to me over the last couple of years that vegan attracts a premium, i.e. they simply charge more for a vegan product just because consumers will pay it. But that's changing. And as the available market widens, then competition increases, and we're going to see more and more vegan products positioning themselves on price. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to race to the bottom and be the cheapest, because it also means that there's going to be more of a market for premium plant-based products too. But you'll have to justify that premium price. You'll have to justify it with your ingredients, with your branding, or with your mission. But a product just being vegan, it will no longer be justification for charging more than non-vegan products. Prediction number nine, more established brands going vegan. Now, this will be news to no one. We've all seen the vegan Galaxy Bar and even car companies like Tesla offering vegan interiors. But we're going to see more and more traditionally non-vegan companies racing to embrace vegan products. The big vegan launchers are going to keep coming as non-vegan companies try to win back the customers that they've been losing, and especially the younger demographics. All the main supermarkets now have their own vegan in-house brands. And we've even seen brands like Pret launching vegan-only versions of their cafes and coffee houses. Even Burger King recently trialled a meat-free version of their restaurant in Cologne, Germany. And they've publicly committed to working towards a 50% plant-based menu. Now, partially... These kind of brands going vegan, it's them following an industry trend. And it's easy to look at these companies cynically. But what I found from dealing and consulting with a number of these kind of companies is that often you will have one or two people within that organization who are the ones making all the noise that the company needs to change. They're the champions who actually want their organizations to embrace plant-based in a meaningful way. And if I'm being honest, they're the ones making themselves a right royal pain in the backside for their managers above them. And in all the big companies who we love to hate as ethical vegans, and not without good reason, you will likely find somebody who is dedicated to try and change the system from within. We will likely get one of the big fast food or QSR chains announcing that they're going to ditch meat entirely in the next few years. And it's going to be interesting to see which one goes first. We will see companies launching more all-vegan outlets of their shops and restaurants, and not just for Veganuary. 
and the meat production industry itself is being forced to change in return. Rob Percival is the head of food policy at the Soil Association and he's the author of The Meat Paradox. And he recently tweeted, I spent the day with a major chicken business discussing their 2030 sustainability strategy. We think we probably need to stop selling dead animals, they told me. One way or another, it feels like the future is kill free. Extraordinary. So again, This means as vegan companies, we can't just rest on our laurels. All the good work that we've been doing, it is changing the industry. And we've only got a short window where our vegan ethics is going to be a big enough, unique selling point to separate us from the huge global brands. Which leads me into my final prediction. Prediction number 10. More vegan businesses on a mission. So we know that just selling a vegan product or a service, it's no longer a USP or a unique selling point. But for now, the reason we're selling a vegan product can be. And the companies who are bringing that to the front of their businesses, they are making huge leaps in plant-based right now. Take a look at Vegan Fried Chicken, or VFC, which was started by Adam Lyons and Veganuary founder Matthew Glover in 2020. And in less than a year, they're now in Tesco supermarkets and they're selling internationally into the US as well. VFC, they actually banned the use of a phrase plant-based and they put activism at the heart of extremely cool brand. Just go take a look at their social media accounts for some of the best public put-downs of anti-vegan trolls you are ever going to see. And again, with our own members at Vegan Business Tribe, those companies who have pinned their vegan ethics to their chests, they've seen exceptional things happen. One of our videographers, Damien Skibberus from Short Stop Video, even found himself being taken on as the cameraman for vegan activist Joey Carbstrong after he started publicly talking about his vegan ethics. Kaylee and Lee from Kakadu Creative, they started talking about the activism that they do and very publicly talking about it on LinkedIn to show that they don't just make websites. And that's led to the types of contacts that they've been trying to talk to for ages actually approaching them to talk about doing work. We need to remember that even with their internal champions trying to change these companies from within... As long as it's meat and dairy manufacturers who are leading the plant-based marketplace with their vegan alternatives, then they will stay just that, alternatives. A way for these companies to retain customers without having to give up their main animal-based products. But a lot of people are taking note of what Adam and Matthew have achieved with VFC and their unapologetically vegan message. And he's just showing the rest of us that you can be successful by embracing the ethical vegan message within your company. 
So that's my top 10 predictions of what's going to happen in the vegan sector in 2022 and beyond. And I know that some of these things are already happening from conversations that I've had behind closed doors. I also know that some of these things are happening already from listening to the general industry talk. But Vegan Business Tribe, it's always a two-way conversation between you and me. So if you have observed your own trends or you've got your own predictions of what the next big growth sector is going to be in vegan and plant-based and you want to put them forwards, then just drop me an email and tell me. But before we finish, let's just have a roundup of those top 10 predictions again in an easy to listen to bullet point list. Prediction number one, more innovation in vegan food products as we start filling in the spaces around what we've already got. We've already mastered the vegan sausage roll. Let's get onto the vegan pork pie. Prediction number two, more diversity and sustainability in ingredients. Let's see pea protein and the humble potato become our new heroes. Prediction number three, more vegan products for children. And a big part of that, that's going to be education for parents too. Prediction number four, more support needed for vegans in care as more people turn vegan in their old age. Prediction number five, more vegan experiences, from holidays to letting non-vegans find out more about the vegan lifestyle and paying for the privilege. Prediction number six, veganism becomes mainstream in the pet care sector. And remember, there are an estimated 12 and a half million dogs in the UK alone. Prediction number seven, cultured meat. And it's not vegan, but like the concept or not, it's coming and it will potentially give a lot of people an excuse to sidestep veganism entirely. So we need to be aware of that. Prediction number eight, price parity. So vegan food products coming in at the same retail price as non-vegan food. But that doesn't mean that you need to race to the bottom. It's going to give us plenty of opportunities to have a truly premium product too, if you can prove it's worth it. Prediction number nine, more established brands going vegan. And you don't need to be Nostradamus or Old Mother Shipton to see this one coming. We're going to see even more big vegan launches, but also companies moving beyond just testing out having a vegan product and truly embracing the sector in a more meaningful way because customers demand it and change is happening from within. And prediction number 10, more vegan businesses leading with their mission. VFC and others, they're leading the way in showing us that we can be activism-based in our businesses and we will still find the audience, even with non-vegans. So that is it. Now, as I said right at the start of the session, if you've enjoyed this episode or you found it really useful, then please do share this podcast with your own contacts because they might find it useful too. And finally, if you're not already a member of Vegan Business Tribe, and I know there are so many lurkers out there who just haven't introduced themselves yet, then do head over to the website at veganbusinesstribe.com and there you'll be able to see all the great stuff that you get when you become part of Vegan Business Tribe. And that includes an introduction one-to-one with myself and Lisa on Zoom, just so that we can find out more about your vegan business and how we can help. 
And it's the support of our members that means that we can keep recording this podcast and keep putting out all our content every week and just championing the vegan business scene around the world. So thank you so much for giving up your time to listen. We are blown away by how many people are now downloading and listening to this podcast. And I will see you on the next one.